0: Today's episode is sponsored by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. It's easy and fun to use as well as affordable. And did you know that science shows meditation can reduce anxiety and improve your relationships? Head to expectful.com slash motherbirth for an exclusive one month free trial just for motherbirth listeners.
1: Is motherhood strips you down to your soul. I mean, it really bears to you um, kind of the areas of your life that you needed to care of yourself in, um, areas that you're lacking, areas that you need to fill up your own cup, um, areas that you need to heal.
2: We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery
0: nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother.
2: Hi everybody, it's Laura Melissa here and we're excited today to have Yuki McGregor on the podcast. Um, Yuki reminds me of some of the stories we shared before of women who were just inspired and then had um, just a burst of creativity and really created what is now a very thriving community for other women to be inspired in their motherhood journey. So, Yuki, tell us a little bit more about um, your story and kind of what you're up to in the birth world. Yeah, thank you so much for
1: that intro. I mean, it's really exciting to be here and connect with other people who are interested in birth as much as I am because it's, unless you're in the birth world, it's rare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, man, my story, how I got started. Um, I honestly, I got started well before I was pregnant. Um, it just, there was a seed planted by a really good friend of mine. And she was like, hey, you should watch this documentary on Netflix. And it was the business of being born, which is like well known for people in the birth world um, kind of getting started. I feel like it's like the mm-hmm. initiation, you watch that documentary. And yeah, so mm-hmm. that planted the seed of, it, it just opened my eyes up to what birth would look like because I was, that was Uh, maybe four years ago. And so at that point, um, I had just finished college, I wasn't anywhere close to thinking about kids. And so I didn't talk to anybody about it. I mean, what was there to talk about if I'm not planning on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that documentary really opened my eyes to like what birth is like from the hospital side. Um, And kind of how like midwifery care is it's a thing and nobody really knows about it because before watching the documentary, if I'd gotten pregnant, I probably would have been like, all right, so I'm pregnant. Uh, I guess I'll go see an OBGYN and have my baby in a hospital. And I basically, I ended up doing like the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that just kind of planted a seed and I kind of went down that like rabbit hole of alternative birthing or like natural childbirth. And it, I like I it ran its course. I was really interested in it and I started following all these, you know, Instagram accounts like Birth Without Fear and like a birth of a mama and like all of these birth accounts. And um I just kind of sat with it and I just enjoyed being in that world for a little while. Um and then I got You just went full birth junkie. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. zero hundred birth junkie. I'm here in this world, let's do it. I can (laughs) relate to that for sure.
0: (laughs) And this is still before you're pregnant with Oh
1: yeah, this is like Before I even thought about getting pregnant. Um, And then, so it finally came about, I got pregnant like two years later and um, I felt so prepared. I was like, not panicked at all. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm going to start looking at birth centers now because my, uh, my initial thought after watching the documentary, kind of going through all this research for myself, I realized like for me personally... I'm going to be happier with a, either a birth center or a home birth. And I kind of toyed around with the idea of a home birth at the beginning. Um, it's just, that's just my personality and my, my style. Um, but I was still like, Oh, I'm a first time mom. This is my first time. I really don't know what to expect. Maybe a birth center would be like a good in between.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And so I immediately just like started looking at birth centers. Um, and I just I felt so calm through the whole process. Like I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly where to find it. Um, I knew I needed to interview a couple midwives, and we went on some tours and met a few people, and I picked one. And everything just felt so easy. And about a year before, my sister was also pregnant, and she went the very like traditional hospital, but she didn't know what the other options were, and I don't think she knew that you could even interview providers cuz it's not mm-hmm. just inter- in midwives you can interview you can absolutely interview Obvious OBs as well, as well. Yeah. yeah um and so she just kind of went with who my stepmom dis- like told her like oh I go see this person why don't you try them and so she just went went that route and i remember her being very anxious at the beginning like not really knowing what to expect and i realized how drastic just just from like our mindset of where we started Mm. Changed our experiences, and so I would say, like five or six months pregnant, I started piecing together this idea. I'm like, okay, how can I have other women be in the same position that I was? Whatever birth that they want to have, like birth, birth center, or home birth center or hospital, but how can they be prepared and know what their options are? And Mm -hmm. so I kind of played with that idea for a while, and that kind of just snowballed so much into what Dallas birth guide is now. Um, I remember so vividly like eight months pregnant. Cause like you can't sleep when you're pregnant. And so I'm up at like, <laughs> you like, might as o- well be creating. shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up at like one o'clock in the morning, like typing out this like massive amounts of content. I'm like, I can't sleep anyways. Like whatever. I'll just write this stuff out. And I don't think I had like I didn't have like a clear vision yet of like what exactly I wanted it to look like. I just knew I had to get this information out there, like had to let women know what's going on. Um, because it just makes such a big difference on your whole pregnancy journey and therefore like your entire motherhood journey too. Mm. Um, cause like your, your mentality and that is just, it's so important to carry through the entire way. Um, and then just like little by little, it grew, it actually first started out of like me being the birth guy. Like I was going to be the face of it and I would work one-on-one with women. And then I was like, okay, well, I want to, I want to do more. I want to, I want to grow this bigger and do more. And it turned into like, now it's like a company and now I'm no longer like the actual face of it. I do, I do still work one-on-one with women. Um, but it's much, it's so much more into the night out. Like it's what, like the intro you gave me, was so perfect because it is, it feels so much more like a community. And if I had just stayed doing one-on-one, um, I don't think it would have accomplished that as well. Mm -hmm. So
2: that's kind of just like how it started. Wow. (laughs) It's so interesting. I've thought about this before. Um, I remember in my early journey when I, um, had just finished doula training and feeling very similarly. So I have, I don't have kids. And so I'm still in that, you know, that world as a you know birth junkie or person who's you know, and I knew at that point I really did want to pursue midwifery. However, I just feel like I had learned so much from all the women I was meeting who worked in our world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time I was living in Portland and I just thought, like, people spend so much time and money planning a wedding and they have a person yeah. who like, helps them do that. And that totally makes sense because yeah. you don't know anything about it. Like until the like until your wedding, you never have to plan a wedding or a party for X amount of people or so that me I'm thinking I'm thinking like, oh well, like, I guess there could be like a birth planner.
0: And yeah. I was like, well,
2: you know, and just like, and then I was like, I don't know if that's too niche. I don't know if like, you know, I guess you're, you know, in most circumstances, your doula ends up taking on that role with you as well, right. but like, how yeah. do you find the doula? And so exactly, can only really imagine, especially in just the variety of communities there are in the States, you know, abroad that it, that information is either easily accessible or not as easily accessible. Mm-hmm. But you know, most people I know who start planning their birth, do it from, like you said, from word of mouth, so yeah. What a great resource to build for your community that it's something that, you know, you can literally just put, if you put Dallas birth in, you you guys come up, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And I love what you said about like most
1: of the time doulas do take over that role of like the nitty gritty of the birth planes. And I love mm-hmm. that because that's not, I'm not trying to fill that doula role at all, but it's exactly what you said is how do some people find a doula or don't even know what a doula is. And so it's just mm-hmm. that middle ground between the birth world and like the city in general. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like curating just this like highway between of information between the two is really my goal.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that I mean you are the you're the test case for what you've created for what we're creating. I mean our our communities are are different, but there's so much overlap and I think that what you described that journey of sort of having this gradual awakening to the not only the world of birth, but sort of what some of those different options look like and doing that at a time in your life where it could have an impact on, you know, future birth experiences for you. I mean, it really shows that that for you to like get pregnant and start assessing your choices and making choices about, you know, the environment that you wanted to give birth in and, you know, what kind of care you wanted to receive and all of these things and to feel so calm and so confident in that is like definitely a testament to the fact that this kind of community and, and this kind of like um, exposure to these ideas and this, it, it works. That's why we tell these stories. That's why we have this podcast. That's why you, you know, Have the, you know, the birth guide services that you have, like we believe that women can feel that way, that they don't Mm -hmm. have to just be overwhelmed and terrified and completely disconnected from, you know, our, our sense of intuition or confidence about the process, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, if you start your pregnancy
1: journey off, as far as like trying to conceive, if your mindset going forward is knowing your options, whether it's specifically for birth or trying to conceive, even fertility stuff I talk about. Um, and we have a great fertility like niche here in Dallas too. And so knowing all the options on who can help you get pregnant, that can help you just feel calmer and and at more ease throughout the entire process. And that just carries over into motherhood where, I mean, mother is crazy. Y'all like (laughs) it's insane. So as much calm as you can get into that. Um, and I think just starting from pregnancy is just, it makes it easier going into motherhood that way. And if we can do that for other women, it just helps us grow as individuals and as mothers and as a community so much more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about your birth. You have this, you know, you're having this empowering Confident experience of pregnancy, you're like moving towards the, you know, the end zone as we might call it. Um, how did the rest of your pregnancy go? What did your birth look like?
1: So, I had chosen a birth center because I kind of wanted that kind of in between because I wasn't totally hundred percent confident in having a home birth. Just because, again, first time mom, don't really know what to expect. I mean, people yeah. can tell you what the sensations are going to be like, but you just you don't know. Um, and so chose a birth center and all the appointments were really good. I was so, I mean, I extremely blessed that I had such a smooth pregnancy. Like I had very minimal morning sickness. I never threw up. Um, my kind of like aches and pains were pretty minimal. And I totally attribute that to, um, kind of in my day job, I work in a chiropractor's office. Mm-hmm. And so I got taken care of so well. And, um, I had some heartburn in the end, but overall just like super smooth ride. Like it was, it was really, really great. I really enjoyed being pregnant. I really feel like my confident with my confidence went up so much when I got pregnant because I just felt like this like powerful, like womanly person. It was mm-hmm. so great. Um, and so I, was seeing a midwife at a birth center and about halfway through, I think it was maybe six months, um, I was talking with her and I was like, you know what? Can we just can we just switch this up? Can I just have her at home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because like the more I thought about it, because the more I talked to her about it, especially because um, it's key is asking your provider questions. Um, but the more I talked with her about it, like it's the same environment. They bring all the stuff to your house anyway. right? And so really the only difference between a home birth and a birth center is, do I want to drive? <laughs> Which I did not. Yeah. That sounded like an awful idea. And so I was like, yeah, let's just, let's have her at home. So all the visits were um, still the same after that, except for, like the, like the 37 week, I think. So she came to my house and kind of checked out my house and just made sure she knew where stuff was, um, made sure I had all my supplies. Cause you do need to buy some things. Um, cause birth can be messy. Mm-hmm. So, um, we bought all that stuff, but I went, um, I went past 40, 40, what is it? The due date. Um, I was like 41, five or something like this i was getting really close to 42 weeks and so we started talking about in like not induction necessarily but maybe like a swooping of the membranes or things that i could do to kind of speed things up so i was doing lots of walking um lots of squatting lots of like nipple stimulation doing all the things to get this baby out of me because i was super ready and um I think it was like a Wednesday Wednesday I had my prenatal appointment that morning and I had lost like a good piece of my mucus plug the night before and so I had texted her and I let her know what's happening and mucus plugs are funny and they can grow back and so it's not really an indication of like
0: labor yeah like a starfish
1: it just grows new it's it's not as
2: definitive as you want it to be exactly like
1: at first you get excited because it's like oh I lost my mucus plug it must be it must be time and it's like "Mm, I mean we'll keep an eye on it Yep. And so, um, let her know, I went to my appointment on that Wednesday and we just kind of like made sure I was okay. I was feeling good still. Um, I had been kind of having really light contractions that day. Um, and so by that evening I had texted her again. I was like, Hey, so I think, I think this might be the start of something. Um, labor is kind of like, it's slowly, very, very slowly progressing. It wasn't a drastic huge change, but I'm like, if you've ever been pregnant and had a baby, you know, like there are some contractions that are like, yeah, oh, was that a contraction? Mm-hmm. Was that gas? Was it like a muscle twinge? But then you have a contraction. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is real mm-hmm. <laughs> This is it for real. Um, and so that, that just kind of lasted forever. I mean, all day, Wednesday through the night I could, I did not sleep at all Wednesday night because I just, I couldn't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the, inter- and the contractions weren't that intense. It was just the spacing between them. I just couldn't get a break. And so by Thursday morning, it was like 5am and I text, I had not slept. I had texted my chiropractor and I was like, so I knew I was supposed to come in this morning. Um, I've been in labor and I haven't actually slept, so should I still come in? And she was like, yes, get your get your butt in here. <laughs> um, and so my chiropractor, for anybody in Dallas listening, Dr. Jamie Wistinger, is a freaking rock star. Um, she's also been on my podcast, too, so you guys can go listen to that. Um, but she was adjusting me. I had a couple of contractions in the office, and she kind of, like, dulled me through it. Um, and that is the one thing I did not have. I am, like, a, such an advocate for doulas, and I did not have one. Um, mainly because, I don't know, I just... I didn't really know Mm -hmm. um I was still kind of in the beginning of like getting all this information and so
0: and you and you probably felt like you'd chosen both an environment and a birth team that would sort of fulfill that role to some extent
1: yeah exactly and I'm I'm a pretty introverted person so I was like I want to limit as met as like a few people in my house as possible I I basically barricaded my house. Like the only people allowed inside were my husband, my midwife, her birth assistant, and my best friend. Like everybody else, no other family members were allowed to come inside my house. I made sure everybody knew that. Um, And I think that's I think that's just personal preference, honestly. Like if you want, you know, a party going on in your living room while you're having a baby, do it. That's awesome. Um, But I'm a very like I got very primal, which we'll get to that. But Mm -hmm. I just wanted my space. I wanted quiet, Um, and so came in Thursday morning, had a bunch of contractions here and the, the drive to the chiropractor's office. I knew I made the right choice because the drive to the chiropractor's office was horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I got back Thursday and just did lots of walking, lots of moving around. I ate as much as I could. Um, and it just, it lasted forever. And so by Friday night I was texting my midwife and I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. I don't know what to do. Like nothing is really progressing. I'm freaking exhausted. She's like, okay, have a glass of wine or like even like a baby Tylenol or something like that. And so I finally took like a baby Tylenol and I got like five hours of sleep and it was amazing. I woke up so refreshed and like just I felt so like a thousand times better mm-hmm. and I just had energy to like continue going. Um, so I got up around seven and the contractions were still about the same. They weren't super intense yet. Um, so my midwife was telling me okay, why don't you try and go for a walk, try, go around neighborhood one more time. Let me, let me know how you're doing. Um, I got to my mailbox and I couldn't get back Mm. just by the time I went, it was like 10 o'clock, um, stepped out, went to my mailbox. and I was like, Oh no, we have to go back inside. I can't, I cannot take another step Mm -hmm. into this street. Um, and so that's when I knew like it picked up really fast from seven to 10. It just like, just crazy intense. Um, contract contractions happen. So, um, my husband started to fill up a birth tub. We had the birth tub in the living room. Um, so he started filling that up and, um, I don't know this from here, it starts to get a little blurry cause you get into that like labor oh, for sure. mindset and you like, don't really know what's going on around you. So like from here, it gets a little bit blurry. I spent a lot of time on the toilet. Like all of my time was on the toilet because a, like it, the toilet bowl just hit those pressure points on your hips so well. Mm. Um, That I just, it's the only place i could going to get comfortable. But then also you kind of feel like you're going to have to poop at the same time. And so I thought, well, I might as well just stay here just in case that happens. (laughs) So I labored on the toilet for a while while the tub was filling up. And then my contractions finally got to the point I walked out there and I was like, dude, I have to get in this tub. Like, can we speed this up? like the the water hose was not filling it up fast enough, so my poor husband he started filling up pots and pots of water on our stove so that he could fill the tub up faster and so I'm in like a half filled tub um trying to labor, mm-hmm. and he is running back and forth from the kitchen, trying to put more hot water in while the while the hose is still okay. filling it up. And I, I realized now, like looking back, I'm like, you know, I probably was okay without a doula because I kind of, I just didn't want to be touched. So my husband tried to like rub my back and like do some hip things. I was like, get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Do not touch me. Um, I really just needed him from the contractions because I needed something to pull on. And so anytime I had a contraction, I just called him from the kitchen or wherever he was and I would just pull down on him as hard as I could. Um, And he also, this is the best part i think of the whole birth so i'm like laboring like crazy in the tub and calling him for contractions and he has i didn't notice this but he put gilmore girls on the tv in the living room because he thought i might like something to watch (laughs) like i'm just like chilling in the bathtub like and i have a little bit of downtime so why not watch some gilmore girls and i'm like i'm in labor land i have no idea what's going on (laughs) and i just thought that was the most hilarious thing to me and so um a little while later he is finally like okay should we call the midwife? Cause he, he, the whole time, like he was the one who was more anxious oh, yeah. than I was about having this baby. And so he was like, we do, we need to call, we need to call the midwife. Like, are you, are you sure? And I kept saying like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, especially like the Wednesday, Thursday, the first two days, I'm like, it's fine. This is nothing like, it's totally cool. Um, and I think I was almost denying it to myself. So like, especially when the uh, contractions were really intense, especially in the tub, um, he was like, "Okay, I need. I think we need to call them." And I was like, "No, no, no, it's fine." Because I think I was really trying to convince myself I'm not having this baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "No, no, it's totally fine. It's not happening. It's not happening." And so he finally calls her, like of his own accord, and he has kind of walked her through what we've been doing. And so she hears me have a contraction in the background while she's while he's on the phone with me, and, he, she, and she's like, "Oh, I'll be. I'm on my way." I'll be right there, Mm. and uh, because there's like a certain noise that pregnant women make when they're laboring, where it's like, okay, this is about to happen. And uh, so she gets there about twelve o'clock, and I get out of the tub. Oh, I missed a part that I also think is great during this whole like laboring, like fog that I was in. I somehow ended up underneath my dining room table, (laughs) and my (laughs) husband had brought all of how this happened he had brought all of the pillows from around the house and shoved them under the dining room table for me because that's where I ended up and I was just like in this cave (laughs) of like pillows wow (laughs) and I look back on that I'm like that was just like really like super primal of me like I just wanted to find like a dark cave to crawl into and do
0: you recall wanting that or even like setting it up or is it just like, wow, that happened? Yeah. The setup
1: absolutely did not happen. My husband did all that. I just kind of found myself under the dining room table. And so he just started, I I think I asked him for one pillow just to kind of like prop my Mm. elbows up and he just brought me the whole house. Um, (laughs) and so I, I mean, I kind of, I vaguely remember like being on the couch a lot during the night, um, and just like, trying different positions like laying on my side and I just like moved around the house but there was really no rhyme or reason at all like on the couch in the living room went to the dining area and like underneath the dining table would go back and forth to the toilet if I needed to like it was just it was really random and just all over the place. So at one point I ended up under the dining room table with all, every single pillow in the house. <laughs> and, um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So my, my midwife gets there about 12 and so I get out of the tub. Um, Cause I'm like, okay, she's on her way. I like, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of the water. Cause I know she'll want to check me. And so I'm on the toilet waiting and she comes in and she's kind of standing at the doorway and she's kind of looking at me, just kind of like seeing where I'm at. And she's like, you know, you're, you're kind of hard to gauge where you are right now. Cause you seem really calm. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no calmness happening inside of me. I promise you. <laughs> and uh, So she was like, okay, so do you want, um, should we, let's go to the bedroom or where do you want to lay down so that I can check and see how far you are if you want to do that. Um, and I'll point out also this, the, the vaginal exam that she gave me while I was in labor was the only exam, the only vaginal exam I had throughout my whole pregnancy. Um, hmm just because yeah, why is a number it's gonna, it's gonna mess with my head, knowing what number I'm at. Um, and even not getting checked, messed with me. Uh, so she got to the bedroom and she is starting to check me. And the entire time she's checking me, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm only at like five centimeters. This is going to take yeah. like another week. This is going to be horrible. I'm not even like halfway through <laughs> it. And right. so She asked me, did your water break? And I'm like, I don't think so. Because my, I didn't notice the water breaking, but it turns out it did while I was in the tub. I just didn't notice it. Mm. it. Although looking back, it was really interesting because while I was laboring in the tub, I did notice like a drastic difference in the type of contraction I was having. So the entire time mm. I was laboring, it was a lot of like pushing in towards the center. And then all of a sudden, which I'm assuming when my is when my water broke and I just didn't have like the presence of mind to think of it as that um, there was a big change from into down. Mm. So my whole body, like with all its might was pushing down and I had no like I was just like, well, this just another contraction. Just it's different now. Um, yeah. And she was like, well, I feel hair. And she's like an inch from being here. And I just like burst into tears (laughs) because more so for like the relief of like, oh my God, it's almost, she's almost here. It's almost done. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so she's like, okay, do you want to, do you want to start to make your way back to the tub? Is that where you want to have her? And I was like, okay, we can, we can try going to the tub. And so I start walking and I have a contraction um, at the, at the foot of my bed and I kind of just like dropped to the floor and I'm like, no, we're having her here. I can't make it to the tub guys. Just. We're having it her right here.
0: And get some
1: towels. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, got all like the pads and the towels. And my poor midwife, like, she had set up near the tub because assuming that's where I was going to be. And so she had to go get all her stuff and bring it into the back bedroom. And um, I stayed there for it's probably another like hour and a half. And at that point, my best friend kind of like flew in because I had messaged her and I was like, hey, having a baby. Um, also, look, you. There has to be an episode somewhere where you just record like families' responses to people letting them know that you're having a baby. <laughs> I've it's, heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So my best. Okay, I'm going to tell this one just because like the the story is hilarious. My I had texted her and she was at her office and she had kind of been knowing that I was in labor, but I texted her. I was like, okay, you need to get here now because she's coming. Like it's happening. I didn't really tell anybody while I was laboring. I just, I was like, okay, as soon as my midwife gets here and can check me, I'll start letting everybody know and that they can like head over. Cause like who wants to wait for two days, you know, mm-hmm. while right. you're laboring? you don't know how long it's going to take. And so, um, I text my friend and she freaks out at the office. She's in like a very corporate office space. And so she had a 32 ounce green smoothie that she just like knocked onto the floor <laughs> and just green smoothie is dripping all over her desk, all onto the floor, and she just sprints out of the office. And she passes, just leaves it. yeah, just leaves it. She <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> she passes the custodian on the way, and she's just like, "I'm, I'm so sorry. There's, there's green smoothie everywhere. I, I'm, I, I'll make it up to you. I'm so sorry. I have to
0: go. <laughs> my friend's having a
2: baby. <laughs> like, yeah, my friend's having a baby. I have to leave. And so she
1: flies into my house, like enters the room, and the first thing she tells me is. I spilled a green smoothie all over my floor to make it here in time. And I just like bust out laughing (laughs) because I think like she was such a good presence to have for me. in like that last like two hours, like the really intense pushing part because she, she brought a lot of like humor there and I was getting really serious. Like I was taking this very seriously, like again, super primal, like mama bear, like let's have this, let's have this baby. And so she came in there with the green movie story. And I was like, I really, I really needed this, like this lightness, um, and like laughter in the room was a huge help for me. Hmm. And so, um, I realized like my midwife was like, okay, any, like you can start pushing. Cause she's almost here. You can start pushing anytime you want. And I realized like, that's, that's really the biggest thing is like, your body's going to have this baby, whether you want it to or not. Um, I think that's what I noticed most with those contractions, the difference between the contractions going in versus down. My mm-hmm. body is having this baby. I have absolutely no choice in this. So I can either work with that or I can fight against it. And fighting against it is going to be a hell of a lot harder than working with it. And yeah. so um, I push for about – like actively pushing for about an hour and a half, two hours, somewhere in there. Um And she, so like most, I feel like most birth stories, like, okay, the head comes out and you kind of like breathe for a little bit with the shoulders still in and you kind of like wiggle the shoulders out. My kid was so ready to get here. Like she shot out. I mean, Mm. there was no break in between. Um, Like I felt her crowning and my midwife was like, okay, her head's coming out. Like, like try not to push as hard, like really breathe. And I was like, no, I can't. Sorry. I I have no control over what's happening with my body right now. And she just flew out. And so- Mm. Um, I picked her up off the floor and kind of leaned back. And, um, at that point, my two cats, one who was sleeping in the co-sleeper and one was inside of my dresser drawers. As soon as I had the baby, they decided (laughs) to jump out and scare my midwife half to death. Um, and that was like the initiation of my daughter Elena being born as two cats jumping out. Your
0: your birth needs to be like they need to make a movie of your birth that I is know. like it's like a comedy about home birth or about you know what I mean. Like yeah. I can just see the scene with the green smoothie and the cats and like they would turn it into like you're a cat lady and there's 800 cats of course. But yeah, of course. But it would be really good. <laughs> well, it's actually really funny I know. There's like, because um, like I said, I don't, I don't have kids yet, and I always joke
2: that if I could choose my way to have birth and how it would happen is I would do it like a cat behind a dryer by myself oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've told that story so many times just because the like the ultimate irony is like my entire life's work is supporting women <laughs> in this process right. So when I think oh, of myself yeah. doing it I think of me like I'm just gonna go in this closet in my room and I like let you guys know when the baby's here <laughs> Oh my god, I so resonate with that. Okay, I this is
1: awful of me, but I so played with the idea of like I just wouldn't tell anybody I had the baby until like two days (laughs) later.
0: Nothing wrong (laughs) with that. Nothing wrong with that.
1: (laughs) I really played with that idea because I was just like, oh man, I really just don't want like a lot of people at my house all at once. It seems like insane and crazy. And again, I am a super homebody introvert. Like I want to be that cat behind the dryer. And I just made that possible as like much as I could for myself. Just use cool.
0: the, you just use the lint for like, you know, the, to keep the baby warm. Yeah, you don't for sure. There's, yeah, a, there's exactly. this old lint. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's so funny exactly
1: what you said. Like I am all about like supporting women and like, Especially, especially in birth,
0: but for myself, I'm like, I don't need anybody. I'm fine. It's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Laura knows she doesn't dare go behind that dryer or yeah, the closet without I, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think
2: that's actually what's going to happen, but like. I remember that in, in my doula training, I think we did some kind of exercise in visualization and I'm like, well, when I'm like visualize myself having a baby, I just picture myself being alone. And I was like the only person who said that everyone else was like, there will be an army of powerful women like supporting me. And I was like, <laughs> thinking maybe I'll just like call everybody later, <laughs> but that's because that's the primary oh, way I actually yeah. deal with. Like things that are really hard and stressful as I yeah, oh, sure. take it on by myself. And then, then once, once I feel oh, like yeah. I have it all managed, then I'll share it with people. So it's interesting. Um, that you kind of had some of those tendencies, even though you weren't alone. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I super resonate with that. Cause that's how I deal with things too. It's just like, you super, you really like internalize it and then you can come afterwards with like the revelation. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm still like for anybody listening, I'm still all for, if you want to have a party in your living room mm-hmm. and invite everybody that you know, to like, celebrate the birth of this baby do you but for those of you out there who are introverts and homebodies and you want to be a cat behind a dryer do that too whatever Mm -hmm. works for you
0: (laughs) yep absolutely so you push for like hour and a half two hours Mm -hmm. she comes flying out um your your best friend is there your midwife's there your husband's there did you say there was a birth photographer as well no. So birth photography, I,
1: oh my God, I am so in love with birth, birth photographers. Um, they are magical beings at birth. And so I, a lot of what I post for Doll's birth guide is the work of DFW birth photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have one and I hadn't gotten to that part yet where I knew it was a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was like planning this whole, this whole journey. And so looking back, I'm it's like it's it's bittersweet because I'm like I really I wish I had these images because again there's some parts that are like fuzzy for me um because of like the labor haze but I at the same time I'm like you know what I that was just it would have been one more person in in my room that I probably would have been thinking about and not being present in the birth even though birth, birth photographers are amazing at being like a fly on the wall and being like just very silent and just in the room with you and not really in your space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, knowing my brain, I, I would have been like, do you, do you need some, do you need some water?
2: <laughs> How are you doing with my birth? Is it yeah. okay for you? Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: Do, I, do I need to move? Do I, am I, am I okay here? Like my yeah. brain would have gone crazy. And so, um, looking back, I, I do really wish I had some image. My best, my best friend was great. She did take some images of, um, right after Elena was born, um, when she was on my chest. And of course I had tons of pictures of her when everybody came in from the patio. Cause that's kind of where they had, cause again, I was like nobody in the house, but you guys can stay on the, in the backyard or something. And so <laughs> I guess it's in. Texas.
0: So it's warm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, we have like a sunroom in the back. And so
0: everybody was just kind of hanging out there. <laughs> and that's, so- that's actually also hilarious. This is going to be a comedy. <laughs> I, I think it really needs to happen. It's,
1: yeah. It's really funny. And I, it's, And when I look back on it, I'm like, there's a lot of really funny moments. But I know that in my head, while I was laboring, I was so serious, like, Mm. just super stoic, primal. And so I couldn't really, like, comprehend the comedy. But when I tell this story every time, I'm like, oh, man, this is great. There was Gilmore Girls going on. Green smoothie accidents happened. My mom abandoned her groceries at the grocery (laughs) store. Um, (laughs) It was – it's really – it's a hilarious story, and I love sharing it. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Oh yeah. But yeah, the only people who were in the house with me, husband, um, my best friend, midwife and birth assistant. Mm -hmm.
0: So what was your immediate postpartum little period? Like,
1: yeah, I was tired. (laughs) I was really tired. There's that, you know, there. a lot of, I feel like talking about postpartum can go one of two ways. It can be Either super beautiful and ecstatic, and like this special golden hour, or like you can immediately dip into like sleep deprivation and exhaustion and like baby blues. And I, I was kind of somewhere in between. I feel like I was just a little bit numb initially, and this is my like emotionally is how I was like when I, I was responding fine. um I had, I had a little bit of a hemorrhage, but she kind of she's like we it kind of uh, handled itself on its own without the help of Pitocin, but she had it ready. Um, And I think I, like, I was just tired really more so than anything because it was like a three-day labor, um, and I was just exhausted. And so now that she was here, I was like, okay, can I rest now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I I didn't have that, like, super crazy joy. I was so happy she was here for sure, Um, but I didn't have that, like, immediate crazy, like, like oxytocin filled joy that I feel like some moms do can't have. Mm -hmm. Um, I was more on the other end of like, like baby blues and just like very neutral about everything. Like, and I think a lot of that had to do with just how tired I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like the more I got rest, the better I felt. And uh, so it was just, and I had lost a little bit of blood. So I just really needed to like get my strength up and take care of me also because so many times like postpartum can shift the attention from mom to baby. And so Mm. if I hadn't taken care of myself and my, my friend, my best friend and my mom and my grandma were huge, huge helpers to me that first week, especially, um, they would they made all my meals and make sure I was fed and they would, they would watch the baby while I took a nap. Like they were great. Mm. Um, and so I was able to kind of like regain my strength and rest a little bit. Um, and I did, when my milk finally came in, like three days later, um, I did get a little bit of like mast, 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 oh, I can never know how to say it. Mastitis. Mastitis. And so I, like my mom was great. She would take her for like a few hours while I like massaged it out. I would nurse on the other, like I would nurse a lot. um, And she would just bring her into nurse and then take her away right away, just so I could get rest. Mm And so that was really, I think, critical for me to to kind of like heal myself and put more attention on myself than my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that helped my mindset a lot because I was just, I was exhausted. It was great. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, I had a really good postpartum experience overall. I think I was just really exhausted and baby blues are, are super real. Um, I ended it like, Oh man, there's so many things about postpartum I even want to talk about. Um, So at about three months, three or four months postpartum, I, I think I'm very lucky that I am able to identify postpartum depression in myself because I have been talking about this with women so much mm-hmm. and I kind of knew what these like thoughts could be. And so I started noticing these qualities in myself and I'm like, okay, we're going to we're going to catch this early. I'm going to go get some help. So I went to counseling for I think about 2 months, after, 2 or 3 months. Um and it made it made a huge difference. Just like talking to somebody is huge. Um, I think this is very appropriate that we're recording this on the maternal and mental healthy. health week. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. And so, um, and it's like looking back, I'm like, I know it doesn't make me a bad mom to have these like to have these thoughts and to to want to be a little selfish and take care of myself. It doesn't make me a bad mom, but it's not talked about yeah. that immediately have her having a baby it's not suddenly like a joy-filled experience for all moms i was extremely happy that she was here and i love her with all my heart but i was exhausted and like your hormones are just your are just crazy like they fluctuate so much in those first couple days after having a baby and so you don't really know where they're going to land um and and postpartum depression or anxiety or psychosis any of that can crop up days hours weeks, months months, years yeah baby. And so, um, again, mine was like three or four months postpartum. And I'm again, thankful that I knew the signs of it. And I was able to t- go and talk to somebody. Um, cause I think that made a huge difference as yeah. well. Um, and then going back to m- having like a support team. Cause like we talk, you know, you plan your wedding day with a wedding planner, you plan your birth with you know, a birth planner or a doula or your midwife or, who, or your OB, whoever that is, no one plans for postpartum. And, it's another like really big aspect of your motherhood journey that you need to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself in and make sure you have support in. Um, my best friend and my mom and my grandma were the three people who like just took care of me so well. And my husband also, but you know, he's doing dad stuff and, um, it's just, it's very different when it's especially like a, like a mother figure or a grandmother figure Mm. in your life who's taking care of you. It's extremely healing. Um, at least for as like, at least for me personally, like, I feel like it healed a huge part of the relationship between me and my Mm. mom. And I'm just so grateful
0: for that. Yeah. I think there's so many people that, you know, that isn't a reality for, or they feel like that isn't a reality for them. And it's so true that that intergenerational care that is like this is like the bedrock of, of like society. I mean, we've all, you know, until the last however many generations, like this is how women came into their womanhood, into their motherhood. This is how like we would have learned what we needed to know about birth and about, you know, motherhood and about taking care of our children and all these things we would have learned from our mothers and our grandmothers and our, you know, our aunts and our older sisters, whatever else. And so, that deficit that we have now or that so many people have is, is really, it's really like disabling and disconnecting. And I think that a lot of people feel like, you know, I don't have the kind of relationship with my mother or my grandmother that would facilitate that. And yet it's really interesting, like you just described, like how that experience and sharing that experience can actually be healing for your relationship. Even if they, you know, maybe they don't do it perfectly. Maybe, maybe it's not like, the, the greatest possible, um, level of support that you might hope for in that situation. But even just like allowing, allowing that to, to kind of come to fruition on, on any level is, is really, really powerful.
1: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Um, because it is like passing down this knowledge from generation to generation of how we have birth is so important. Um, when I started telling people, my family that I wanted to have a home birth, you know, the most of the reaction was why, <laughs> why do you want to do that? And within your family, especially because, you know, outside, outside people, friends, acquaintances, strangers can ask you like, why do you want to do birth this way or a certain way? And you can, that's more, I feel like more easily to brush off because you don't, they don't know you. Um, for, for it to come from your family is a little bit different reaction. Um, but my grandma was so great. So my my grandma is Japanese. And so she, my mom was telling her that I wanted to have a home birth. My mom was, my mom was supportive of it, but she also was like anxious and worried because she had certain experiences in her birth that she thought that I might have also. Um, and so she was just, she was worried. And so she was telling my grandma, she wants to have her baby at home. And my grandma was like, oh, like the old days. That's good. <laughs> And I was like, that's, yeah, I was like, yep, that's exactly right. Like, and it just comes full circle. Um, There's this thing going around on Instagram, like the last week or so um, of how amazing our bodies are. And so as we carry our, if it's a daughter, this specifically, um, if you're carrying a daughter, she's already carrying the eggs of your grandchildren. And I just think that is like the most profound thing I have seen in a while of, okay, now my grandmother is taking care of me well, after I've had my baby and she carried me inside my mother when she was carrying her. And it's just whole, like, like the maternal lineage of birth in general, is just, it's so magical.
0: And it's, it's so amazing. And that is, that is the tradition of, of our species. And even, even that that kind of birth. And, you know, we, we all here support any type of birth that people want and feel, you know, safe in. But, you know, even earlier in this conversation, I think you used the term like your sister chose a traditional hospital birth. And that's the Mm -hmm. language we use now, because that's been the norm for the last you know, 100 years yeah. or, or whatever that looks like. But really, we would be saying, oh, I'm choosing to have a traditional home birth, or, you know, a tra- like I'm choosing a traditional model of care with a midwife. Like that would be traditional, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and like I, I like, I feel like some people get very caught up in like, well, this is traditional and this is traditional. And like, yes, there is an aspect of um, keeping the tradition of how you might want to birth. But Why we we just call it home birth? Like I'm like I'm having a home birth. I'm having a hospital birth. It's just we we don't. I don't think that we need to add this like traditional or conventional or modern whateverness to it. It's just like this is how you're birthing, and it just lets let's all accept that it's birth. However you guys decide to do it, however it occurs, it is birth, and it is beautiful, beautiful and powerful.
0: And it makes you a mother, no matter how you do it, you end up being a parent. We talk about that with the language around like natural birth as well on the show and Mm -hmm. in in our community, because, you know, what's the alternative to natural birth, like unnatural birth. And I think that that sets women up for a feeling of failure and a feeling of disconnection from, from themselves, from their intuition, from, you know, their community. Um, And, and that's the last thing we want. Like we want women to be able to make the choices that, Are right for them both in terms of what they want to experience, but then also, you know, what choices they have to make in the moment to, you know, to ensure the safety of them and their child. And the last thing we need is this language that's making people feel like they fell on one side of the fence or another.
1: Oh, for sure. And I've had to go through this like personal journey to come to that realization also. So I think. I feel like whenever I talk to people there's just like a misconception that I, I I guess I give off because now I'm very like every all the births, any any birth that you want, you can have it. But when I first started, especially watching The Business of Being Born, it's a great documentary to get started in, but it is extremely biased towards mid free care. Um, and that's I it's a good place to start, but it's not, I don't think it's, it's sustainable in the long term because not everybody is going to birth that way. And when I first started this whole Dallas birth Guide journey in general, I was very, I started off very of the mindset, like nobody should have a hospital birth. And I've had to grow for myself and interact with other mothers and talk with so many other people to open up my mind more about all of the types of birth. And to really, to be really able to support other women in however they want to birth. Um, and so I think that, I mean, that's just me being super transparent of like, I didn't start mm. out this way. I, that was not my whole, like my, my life preferences was not everybody give birth. Um, because for a while it was very like, everybody should have a home birth or a birth center birth. Cause I, I thought that was the way to do it. And it was very much like putting my ego aside so that I can hold space mm-hmm. for women and for families and how and support them how they want to be supported and if 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 we can do that as a community to raise families up and to raise women up and parents up to support them in whatever decisions that they want to do oh my god i can't even imagine like the life that we would have i think about that all the time and i think you know
2: you guys all have to go and check out Yuki's um, community, but I think for sure you are achieving that. I think um, the community you built is very open to anybody's birth experience that they are pursuing. And I think that that is unique. I do think that, um, that, you know, thank you for being transparent and sharing that perspective, because I think that that's tough sometimes for people to kind of live in both those settings and those worlds and, and really communicate well with empathy and support. Um, Because like you said, it's, it's, people do have their bias and some people's it's personal bias from experience some some of it's informed bias. Um, but the, again, at the end of the day, what you're aiming for is what you shared at the very, very beginning, which is that in this journey and choosing your provider and having this experience, like you are learning the skills to really take charge of your personal health. You're learning how to take charge of the health of your baby. And, um, as you guys know, having young kids is you become an instant health advocate for that per- that little person and you're making so many choices mm-hmm. and so many decisions oh, about yeah. whatever it may be what, fr- from like the very beginning, whether or not you want to get, you know, so-and-so medications or what your pediatrician is like or how they treat this or how they treat that. And I think it's just so empower- empowering for women to go through that when it's their own body and their own experience because then they kind of have those skills like you said. You should interview multiple providers for yourself. You should interview multiple providers for your kid. And you should really look and see what's around you because there are a lot of resources no matter where you live. Even if your options are small. So you know if you live in a smaller community you might not have three hundred pediatricians to choose from. You might have three. But you can interview all three and kind of feel how they make, how do they make you feel? How well did they listen to you? You know, you know, how, how much time did they give you out of their day? You know, there's so many things that I think are so important when you are making decisions for yourself and for your family. And like you were saying, it's kind of like putting your ego aside and really saying like, what's really important here. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you mentioned this earlier too, Yuki, just, you know, the, the, I feel like the, um, you know, what's beneath everything that Laura was just talking about is the confidence Mm -hmm. to ask questions, you know, so whether that's in prenatal care or, you know, dealing with postpartum issues or, you know, dealing with your, your child's health, like believing and trusting that I deserve to have the information that I want. And, and, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes as well, just really kind of demanding that transfer of power in, in care that we receive from, you know, from healthcare providers where they aren't just the person that's like, okay, well, this is what I think is, is best for you. And so listen to me, of course, we, you know, we, we know and trust that they have education and they have resources and they have all of these things, but like asking questions and believing that you deserve the answers. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, The best example of that that I can give is I chose my midwife. I chose where I was going to have the baby. But when people started asking me, well, what happens if you need to go to a hospital? What what, what what are you going to do if something happens? And I said, if something happens, I have enough trust in my midwife because I've chosen her for a reason that if I need to transfer, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let her transfer me. Because I know that she has the knowledge that I lack here and that I can, I have, I there's such a level of trust, especially in birth, because I mean this is a big deal. Like if your your child is being born, but this level of trust that you have to have with your provider to be able to feel safe enough to go mm-hmm. with the flow when needed, versus okay, I'm standing up for what I want. So I mean, I made all of the decisions up until the birth happened, and if something like an emergency situation was going to happen where I had to be transferred, that's a place where I a, a situation where I know my place to trust her judgment and not my own judgment, um, in that particular situation. But because I have that like resounding trust with her throughout my whole experience with her, I can fully give that up to her. Because you've already asked the questions. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so huge. So coming back to sort of your postpartum journey and, and you know, this, this onset of postpartum depression a few months after Elena was born, what did the, you know, what did the tail end of that look like? How did how did coming out of that and sort of um, continuing your motherhood journey look like for you? Mm, that's a
1: great question because it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately that's been on my mind and my heart. Um, I don't think it ever went away, mm. honestly. And I don't know that it does for some women. It might for others, and that's great. Um, but I think, I mean, the the root of my postpartum depression ends up being from like the family of mm-hmm. origin. So like my immediate family growing up in my experience with them and I learned how to parent from them. And so I do absolutely think that my parenting skills now, I definitely make choices that I'm like, okay, my parents did this one. I'm not going down that way. I'm going to do this thing instead. Or if I catch myself unconsciously, I I'm parenting like them because it's what yeah. I learned. Um, and so it's something that I deal with every single day as I parent, my child of, okay is this something that is triggering me to go back into postpartum depression? Cause I, I think that I've been, um, that I've light, had light, I don't know if there's like a scale of, of depression, but I think I've had like light to yeah, moderate depression, yeah. like on and off, um, on and off. And so, I mean, I have really good days and sometimes I have hard days. Um, and so I don't know that it ever went away, but I think my, my coping skills to get through those days are much Mm. better now. Um, and overall, like I'm very, I'm very happy with my life (laughs) and I love my kid dearly and I can't wait to get pregnant Mm. again. Um, and so I'm looking forward to all of these things, but I know that motherhood will beat you down. I I had just had a talk with another mom friend this morning on my way to work because she was having a hard time this morning and I was telling her girl, I get it because motherhood strips you down to your soul. I mean, it really bears to you, um, kind of the areas of your life that you needed to care of yourself yeah. in, um, areas that you're lacking areas that you need to fill you up your own cup, um, areas that you need to heal. And motherhood is just, is it's, <laughs> it's great at doing that. It's great at showing you all of these dark little crevices that you've, um, Pushed off mm-hmm. to the side, or or pushed deep down, because now you're mothering another
0: person, and those um, wounds are so yeah, those wounds light. are coming up. They are absolutely yeah, it's crazy, and and you're absolutely right that yeah. you know whether whether a person's personal experience of of you know postpartum depression specifically, whether or not that is something that um, carries on throughout time, like motherhood changes you, everything changes permanently, forever. Like on a on a you know, on a biological level, on an emotional level, on a relational level, like you don't ever go back to how it was before. And so you, you have to confront that stuff inside of you now for the rest of your life. You don't, there's no off switch now, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, it is, the work is, is forever. (laughs) Mm,
1: It is. And sometimes we fail or we feel like we're failing at the work even. I mean, we can put so much time and effort into, okay, we're going to make ourselves a better person, but that, I don't think that actually happens. Um, there's no like end goal into like, I am this like amazing person now. Like I just, it's an everyday mm. thing. Um, and so the question of, you know, how me coming out of the the postpartum depression and how I'm going forward with, with motherhood and, and all that, like mm. it's, it's, it's just going, um, it's continuing. I, yeah. Um, just going with the flow of it, the kind of day by day as much as I can. Um, I don't think I can confidently say that I don't think that the depression rules me mm. anymore. Um, whereas it did before I got the counseling, I think that's, that was the biggest piece. So like I actively sought out help for it and it gave me a lot of skills and it gave me an opportunity to talk about these areas of my life that needed, that needed to, and still need healing in mm. some cases. Um, And so I I have things that I can, like, actively work on. Um, But sometimes you still feel like, you know, you don't, you know, your life's a mess. The kid's screaming. She's taking her diaper off and she shit on the floor this morning. Um, That was exactly Mm -hmm. my morning is I had, like, shit on the floor and I am trying to rush out of the house to get to work. And uh, my life always seems like a mess in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I honestly wouldn't have it any other way because I think there's a lot of excitement in that too. So I don't I don't think that the depression or the postpartum anxiety rule me anymore. I can easily more easily identify it for sure and know when I'm kind of being in more of a downswing than an upswing or if I or something especially is like triggering me. So I'll get really angry at her for something and I'm like, Whoa, okay. This isn't about her. This is about me. What's going on with me that I need to that I need to work on? So I think it's just given me a lot of skills to
0: heal myself.
1: Mm. And like, mother, I think that that's the greatest gift besides my child that motherhood has given me is just the opportunity and the skills and the light to, to work on myself and do a lot of healing for yeah. myself.
0: Well, and that gives you so much perspective and like you just said, skill as you work with other women as well, because you're able to, you're able to see like what that postpartum transition is can really be like for women and how challenging of a period that can be. And I know that you, um, you know, with the birth guide stuff that you guys, you guys like provide education and, and sessions around like the transition to motherhood, both on a practical level and an emotional level. And so I'd love to, as we, as we wrap up, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that work and what you do offer to women so that our listeners can, yes. can, um, can check that out. Yeah. So, um, for anybody
1: living in the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, you're always welcome to reach out to me to work one-on-one if you like. And I, I mean, we'll talk about anything you want. I mean, I can help you with a birth plan. I can, I can do all of like the nitty gritty stuff with you, like choosing a provider and, um, working through your postpartum plan or any, any of those like very detail oriented things. But if you want somebody to talk with about, God, like diapering, cloth diapering, like I, I cloth diapered. So if you want to talk about cloth diapering, let's talk about it. Um, postpartum depression, if you want to share some experiences, I'm here for mm-hmm. you. Um, it can get, I mean, th- anything related to motherhood, really, you can come, come to me with. And I do a lot of one-on-one work with women in that aspect. Um, but as far as like the community goes, if you go to our website or our Instagram, and especially if you're a first-time mom who just doesn't really know where to start, I have all the information on there for you of how to choose somebody, how to decide where you want to have a baby. Um, and there's another part on the website of empowerment. So if you, if you are feeling like Mm -hmm. you don't, you just don't know where to begin, that's always Mm -hmm. a good spot. Figure out what you want in your life first before you go searching out a type of provider. Um, always do your own work first before trying to have somebody else fill a spot. Um, And what else do we do? Um, I'm working on, of course, we have the podcast out. So you guys are welcome to listen to that. Just search on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, um, SoundCloud for the Dallas Birth Guide podcast. And I have, it's a mixture of birth stories um, from women in DFW. And it's all types of births from home, birth center, cesarean, hospital. Um, I am going to put out one for surrogacy, um, I think next week, which I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about. And it's just all the range of birth birth stories. Um, so I hope that you guys find some encouragement and some inspiration there. But it's also... Um A mix of providers as well. So I have a lot of providers on there, not just OBs and midwives, but like lactation consultants and chiropractors, um, massage therapists, fertility people, anybody that can help you along in this journey. uh, They will, they have an episode on the podcast as well. So that's ongoing. Um, And then I'm actually, I'm playing with this idea. I'm going to put this out there into the universe now. Like I'm playing with this idea of hosting mama circles. Mm. So We'll have a topic for every week. Um, and so we can just, mental health will maybe be a topic and we'll come together and sit in a circle and just really hold space for each other um, to be able to talk some of these talk some things out about being not just a mother, but being a woman um, and hopefully do a lot of really good healing. So look out for that in like a couple of months, probably, because I'm I'm putting that out there.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll share links on the show notes on our blog to all of this stuff. But for people that are listening, you can go to DallasBirthGuide.com, which is where you'll be able to check out all the stuff that Yuki is talking about. Yuki, is there anything that you would love to just share with our audience as you as you, um, you know, reflect on your own motherhood journey and, and your experiences, is there anything you would love to share with our listeners? Yeah. So first off, I have two things actually. One is
1: I eventually I'm working on opening up other cities, birth guides. So not just Dallas birth guide, but it'll be like, like LA birth guide and like Miami birth guide, you know, all the birth guides. So if you guys want, if you're in a city where you don't feel like you have a resource where you could just go to and find everything you need, let me know and I will bring it to you. Um, And then secondly, going through this whole motherhood journey, remember that it is a pendulum. Um, It's a very extreme pendulum sometimes, but motherhood is the epitome of joy and love and excitement, but it's also hard and, sometimes scary and and deep um and so just remembering that we we have the capacity to feel all these things at once and leaning more towards one side of the pendulum or the Mm. other at that specific time does not dictate the kind of mother Mm. that you are um we're always changing we're very dynamic people um we're always changing and the range of emotion that we can flow through is just as vast. And so, so
0: true.
1: remember, yeah, so just keep that in mind and take care of yourself. Um, you have all of the power. And so taking care of yourself is absolutely key so that you can take care of whatever life you are carrying or going to carry. Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> I guess that's it. It's just a remi- it's just a reminder of of life itself and how beautiful and crazy and messy and amazing mm, that it is. I love it.
0: I love it. Well thank you, Yuki. We're so grateful to to hear and to share your story and and just can't wait. We know it will be so impactful to to everyone that is listening. So thank you so much, Yuki. Yeah, thank you guys. I really enjoy talking with other birth junkies. It's always fun. <laughs> <You
2: too. laughs> All right. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on.
0: Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breath is a personal podcast created by Lara and Lisa.
2: It's intended as general information, doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant or in the postpartum period.